welcome everyone once again to another edition of the Selling Greenville podcast. I'm your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in Greenville, South Carolina. And just a little housekeeping, um, you can always find my contact information in the show notes at any time that you want to. You can always email or text me or call me based on that contact information that you find in the show notes if you don't already have my contact information. And additionally, if you like this podcast, if you love it, please rate us, please subscribe to us to make sure that you uh, get this podcast regularly in your feed with whatever service you use. We're on Apple, we're on Audioboom, uh, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Um, you should be able to listen to it on whatever platform you want, and you can go ahead and subscribe to it on there. If you need to download it or anything like that, please go ahead. Any of that activity helps to boost the podcast and helps ap- Apple and Google and Spotify, etc. helps their algorithm to be able to deliver it to more people. So without further ado, we are going to be talking about a very practical subject today, which is storm season and how you approach storm season from a real estate point of view. And this storm season here in Greenville has been a doozy already. We have had multiple tornadoes. Um, Me and my family, we have had multiple times to have to go down into our basement because we've had actual tornado warnings. Um, And back in my childhood, I used to be interested in being a storm chaser slash maybe meteorologist. And I actually did a lot of armchair meteorology and studied a lot of it. So I'm actually pretty knowledgeable about some of that stuff. Um, and so it's fascinating to me. And, and I can tell you, this weather is unusual. It's, it's looking like it's going to be a bad spring storm season overall. We've already had lots of, like I already said, lots of tornadoes, lots of hail, lots of, we even had heavy winds the other day, tropical storm force winds. Um, I don't know what this means for the fall. If maybe in the fall, we'll have a bad hurricane season here. Um, we'll just have to wait and see as far as that goes. But how do we prepare and how do we approach storm season and everything that goes along with that from a real estate perspective? That's what we're going to be talking about today, both from the standpoint of when you're looking at buying a home and also from the standpoint of uh, just as a homeowner. How do you approach it as a homeowner? Um, I used to be an insurance adjuster back in the day. That's something that I did for a, for a little while, and I actually um, did adjusting in, in a wide variety of capacities. I did uh, homeowners claims. I did commercial uh, property claims. I did liability insurance claims. So I know a little bit on that side as well. I'm certainly no expert um, anymore. I'm a realtor now. So don't consider me to be an expert on this topic, but I do have some knowledge that probably a lot of realtors don't because I've been on the inside and I've seen how some of these insurance companies work when it comes to this kind of stuff as well. So let's start by talking about when you're buying a home, how do you assess whether there is storm damage or how do you approach that? How do you, how should you be thinking about it? And how should you be looking at it? The vast majority of storm damage, when when we're thinking about storm damage, oftentimes we're talking about the roof. That is what is most likely to be damaged by wind or by hail, um, or possibly something coming in through the roof as well. 
there's a term uh, used in the insurance world called wind-driven rain. We'll talk about that in a second here. Um, when you're looking at a roof, there's a lot of different things to consider. Obviously, there's different types of shingles. There's architectural shingles, which are um, kind of the ones that are kind of stacked on each other. And then there is the three-tab shingles, which are just kind of laid out flat, almost like a tile. Those shingles tend to be uh, rated for like a 20-year lifespan, and the architectural shingles are considered to have a 30-plus year lifespan. You can get architectural shingles that um, have a 35 or 40 year lifespan if you want. Um, but for the most part, most people, if they have architectural shingles, they're just going to be a 30 year shingle. So when you walk up to a roof, when I guess you're not going to walk up to the roof, but when you walk up to a house and you're kind of looking at the roof, um, that's the first thing you should notice. Okay, is it a 20 year shingle or a 30 year shingle based on whether or not it's architectural or not? And if you're still confused uh, by the difference, most people will understand it, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but you can just Google uh, those different types of shingles, architectural versus three-tab uh, online. You can find it without any problem. The next thing that you're going to see is you're probably going to see kind of almost like waves um, in, in, the, in the finish of the shingle. So shingles are overlaid with asphalt and the asphalt protects the shingle itself. And then underneath the shingle is what we call a roofing felt. And then there might also be an ice and water shield underneath that. Those are actually the things, the, the felt, the ice water shield, those are the things that actually really protect your home from having water come in. The, the shingles themselves more protect your, your uh, home from uh, from forceful things, for instance, hail or, you know, tree limbs or those types of things. It also provides another layer of protection against water. But that's just so that you understand what all is happening. There are multiple components. And then there's roof decking underneath it all. And that just holds it all up um, above the rafters or however your, your roof is structured. So when you're looking at it from the ground, you're going to probably see like little waves or ripples in the shingles, and that is from the asphalt granules having worn down probably by rain over time. That's a very common thing to see for a roof that is over 10 years old, because as rain comes down, it will cause some of that asphalt to come off. That's not a big deal. That That is normal. That's why these roofs are only graded to, to last for 20 or 30 years. And if you pull a ladder up and look inside your gutters, you will probably see asphalt granules in the gutters in just about every roof. That is very normal. What is not normal is if you see dark circles on the roof, little, little circles, like, um, like quarter-sized circles on the roof. That is evidence of hail damage. And I pulled up to a roof recently um, when I was showing a house to some clients and I got out of my car and I was amazed that it looked like someone had taken a paintball gun to this roof. And I may have, uh, I apologize if I've shared this story on this podcast before. It's hard for me to keep up with it. We're now over 10 podcasts, which I'm very happy about. But um, it turns out the seller didn't know that there was hail damage. I mean, we're talking about massive hail damage. The seller didn't know that. The listing agent didn't know that. 
Um, it was, I mean, that roof was, was pretty much shot through. Um, but it didn't have any roof leaks yet, but that was one of those things that was uh, kind of inevitable. And so I warned my buyer clients about that. And uh, long story short, they didn't end up getting the house. Um, but sometimes you can see that from the ground. Sometimes you can't. Oftentimes it takes someone getting up on the roof to actually assess hail damage. Hail is, is interesting, right? Because just normal um, uh, granule loss on a roof can result in, in little specks here and there being missing. But hail does this thing where because it hits the roof at such velocity, it will actually cause the spot to be a little bit spongy. And, and so you honestly have to um, get up there close and personal with it and kind of press it and kind of see, you know, what exactly, how the roof responds to a little bit of pressure. Obviously, you got to be careful that you don't take more granules off as you're doing that. But that's really a good indication that there's hail damage if, if there are a bunch of spots up there and they're a little bit spongy. Oftentimes, you can't see that from the ground, but if you can, then it's probably some significant hail damage. Um, another thing to look for is shingles that are just out of position. All right, If you see any shingles that appear to be out of position, that's an indication that you have wind damage. Really, the shingles should look very uniform. And obviously, you have hips and gables and ridge vents and things like that. I'm not talking about... Um, you know, changes for those areas. But if you see like a, a flat part of the slope and there is a shingle that looks out of place or bent or something like that, that might be wind damage. You can see a, a decent bit of wind damage like that um, up close from, from, the, uh, from the road, from the ground. Um, what you need to get closer for is to see if there is uh, wind damage from a shingle that is laying down, but may have been damaged by prior storms. That can be hard to see from the ground. It usually manifests itself on those three tab shingles as a line at the very top of the tab. What happens is the shingles flap up and where they flap up, there ends up being granule loss and a line that goes across the shingle in the back. Um, you probably won't be able to see that from the ground, but if you can, again, that's an indication that there is substantial wind damage. That would be a roof that would definitely need to be replaced. Um, what insurance companies are looking for when they determine whether or not to replace a roof? With, with wind, you need to see wind damage really throughout the roof. You need to see shingles that uh, all over the roof that have that line across it that show that they have been delaminated from the roof. There, there's different problems like that. I'm not going to get into all those details, um, but they really want to see a lot of those shingles to show evidence of wind damage. Hail is a little bit simpler. Hail, um, the adjuster will get on your roof and will typically draw a 10 by 10, 10 foot by 10 foot square on your roof. And they are looking usually for 10 hail marks within that 10 by 10 square. And if they find 10 hail marks within that 10 by 10 square, um, and on every slope that they find that, so a, a typical roof has either two or four slopes, right? If it's just a single gable, it has two slopes. If it uh, has gables 
facing each direction, then it has four slopes. Um, so they'll need to do that 10 by 10 square probably on each slope. And if there are 10 hail marks in each 10 by 10 square, they will then usually replace your roof. Obviously, it depends on your insurance. It depends on your adjuster. It depends on a lot of different things. Um, you should know that a lot of adjusters are not employed directly by the insurance company uh, that sent them out. So a lot of adjusters work for adjusting firms that are then independently contracted by insurance companies. And a lot of adjusters are paid, in essence, a commission based on how expensive the claim is. So this is very interesting that if they end up having a more expensive claim, a roof replacement, plus siding replacement, plus interior damages, the more damage there is that they write up, because it takes them more time to, to do all of that, they actually get paid more. So most adjusters absolutely love being able to replace your roof, because that's actually an easy claim for them to write up. It doesn't take very much work. And, uh, but it, it pays them very well because a roof replacement will typically be six, seven, eight thousand dollars depending on the size of the roof. Um, and they're very simple claims for them to handle. Now, what can happen sometimes is some insurance companies, they do have staff adjusters that, that come out that work on the field. And those staff adjusters um, do not get paid more based on how difficult the claim is. So they don't want there to be any damage. Um, you can, if you don't like your adjuster, you can ask for a different adjuster. Okay, so that's something to factor as well. Now, there's going to be a different adjuster that you're going to be talking to on what we call the inside adjuster or the desk adjuster. That person oftentimes will be working with the insurance company. It, de it depends. It depends. And it does depend on whether it's hurricane season or not because insurance companies tend to get overwhelmed during hurricane season. They will outsource more stuff at that time. But the person who actually physically comes to your house, more often than not, will be an independent adjuster and not a staff adjuster. Of course, you could always feel free to ask them that. They might think that's a little bit of a weird question, but um, only weird because not very many people would know to ask that. Um, but uh, And they may give you an indirect answer, but that's just something to keep in mind. If you get a staff adjuster that comes out, you won't be able to ask for a independent adjuster to come out. You're just kind of stuck at that point. That's a firm, uh, whatever insurance company it is that you're with that, that likes to keep things in-house. Um, let's move to the inside of the house. What can you see from the inside of the house? Well, the most obvious thing is ceiling spots, okay? And, and obviously... If, if it's a two-story home and there are ceiling spots on the bottom part of the home, that sh that's evidence that there was a plumbing leak at some point, not a roof leak. Why? Because the roof leak would occur over the top level of the home. So if you go up to the top level of the home and you find that there are stains, that could be evidence that there is an active leak happening. Now, you can take a moisture beater to that and see if it's actively wet. Because of my background as an adjuster, I do have a moisture meter. I actually just used it at a showing that I did for, for some clients to, to look at. Uh, there was some water just sitting on the floor of a vacant home, and I was trying to figure out the source of the water. I was able to use my moisture meter to, to find that the water appeared to be coming in from, from some French doors. 
and it seemed like it was kind of traveling underneath the floors and settling in one spot. Um, so that's something that that can be done that that can help you to determine if a leak is active, um, if it's not active. Some inspectors will will be willing to do that as well. You have to be careful because there are moisture meters that have those probes on them, and those probes can be considered destructive, particularly if you put them, you know, onto the ceiling. Um, the moisture meter I have is non-destructive. It, it just has a flat back on it, and I can just place it right up against the wall or, or where, whatever it may be, and it'll give me a reading. Um, just because there are ceiling spots, though, doesn't necessarily mean that there is a roof problem, particularly when there are high winds, like tropical storm or hurricane force winds. We can have this phenomenon that's simply called wind-driven rain. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's when uh, wind... So, so when there's a storm, wind doesn't usually just go in a complete straight line. When you do have really heavy straight line wind, that's when you see trees fall down. But there's a reason why oftentimes when there's a major storm, we saw this happen in Greenville just recently, uh, there's a reason why usually there won't be like a, a whole row of trees that fall down. There will just be like one tree that falls down. Um, because that straight line wind is not the norm. Usually the wind in a storm will swirl a bit. Even if, even if it's not a tornado, just a normal wind, a normal windstorm, the wind will swirl. Well, that swirling wind can cause water to find little crevices. You know, if it's heavy, heavy wind and heavy rain, the rain can blow up into places it normally wouldn't. For instance, like a, a gable vent. Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. But the little vents underneath uh, the gable of your roof, you know, the, there might be be a substantial amount of water that comes in there. That's very unusual. That shouldn't ever happen, but it, it could. And that water could then come down, soak through your insulation and, and come down into your ceiling. Um, whether that is covered by your uh, insurance company or not, by the way, or by the seller's insurance company, if you're looking at a house, that kind of varies on their coverage. Wind-driven rain is, uh, a lot of insurance companies will cover it, but some insurances, some insurance policies, I should say, um, have clauses that kind of protect the insurance company. Like, for instance, it may say, if rain is driven through a storm-created opening, then it is covered. Well, that is a big difference than just, okay, the storm blew, uh, blew the rain through a gable vent. Your gable vent isn't a storm-created opening. So in that case, again, it would be denied if, if you had rain that came in through your gable vent in an abnormal type of storm and then caused drywall damage to your ceiling or, or whatever it might be. Um, your insurance company is, is going to deny that if, you're, if your claim requires a storm-created opening. So make sure that you're aware with your, uh, of what your policy actually says. There's a lot of legalese in there. you got to be careful. If your insurance company can deny the claim, I can assure you they will. Um, those are some basic things that you can look for and that you can be thinking about as you're looking through homes. Always be looking at the roof, looking around, even look at the siding, see if there's any siding that's loose. Um, on the interior, be looking at the ceilings. Look up, look and see, are there stains on these ceilings? 
again, it, it, even if, if you're not on the top level, if you're on the bottom level and you see stains, there could be plumbing problems that aren't being fixed. There's a whole lot of things that they could be. Um, that's something you need to be on the lookout and that you need to check for. But at the end of the day, you need to have a licensed home inspector come in the home, do their job, look at everything, and, and tell you what they find. Now, most home inspectors will not be roof experts. Some of them are, are better than other in this regard, but they're probably not going to be able to really identify clearly hail damage. They, they're more likely to be able to see wind damage. They might uh, be able to notate if there's something strange in terms of, of the roof, but they're not going to be roof experts. So you can always uh, have a roofing company come out as well and a lot of uh, inspectors, if they find something up there on the roof, they will defer to a, uh, a roofing company. They'll say, you know, recommend having a licensed roofer come out and look at this. A lot of roofing companies in this area will do free roof inspections because they're hoping to get new business out of that roof inspection. Uh, you get what you pay for though, right? And so a free inspection um, it's free for a reason. They're trying to sell you on something. Odds are they are going to find damage on that roof. And odds are they're going to make it sound like that roof needs to be replaced. So you just need to keep that in mind. Um, put all of the data together. Use some common sense. Um, there are um, professional services out there that will give a uh, more unbiased opinion. For instance, um, there's a service I've heard of. Um, again, you would need to check them out and, and to see if, if, uh, if they would do a good job for what you might need. But there is a Hancock, uh, Hancock Claim Service. And um, I, I believe that you could call them up and ask them to inspect a roof and they will do that for you. I think that's, uh, that's kind of off the record. I'm kind of drawing back from my, uh, from my adjusting years. Um, again, look at that if uh, look into that if you need like a really professional roof inspection done, they might be willing to do that. Um, I'm in a situation right now where I have clients under contract for a home that to my eye has hail damage. And so we have agreed with the seller to have the, the, the seller go ahead and file a homeowner's insurance claim and the adjuster will come out and we're going to proceed with whatever the homeowner's insurance decides. If they decide the roof needs to be replaced, then the seller is going to do that. If they deny the claim, then we are asking for them to just provide evidence that the claim has been denied, basically the documentation from the insurance company. Um, so that's a lot to consider when you're buying a home. How about when you own the home? How do you prepare for storm damage? How do you approach... Uh, storm season here in Greenville. We have an interesting storm season because we do get tornadoes, we do get hail, we get a decent bit of hail down here. Uh, tornadoes are kind of sporadic and occasionally we will get those tropical storms and hurricanes. They're Thankfully we're far enough away from the coast that they typically don't cause a ton of damage here but you never know. There were uh, there was a hurricane, what was it, Irma a few years ago in Atlanta um, in, in the greater Atlanta area, I mean, that's very unusual, but it caused substantial damage. Um, a lot of people had trees on their homes and uh, all, all kinds of different things. So you never know. We, we do have a lot of storms, and this storm season has been, uh, at least here in the spring, has been kind of a doozy so far. So it'll be interesting to see what happens 
you know, when hurricane season comes around. But my recommendation to everyone is start with taking photos of everything. Yes, take photos of everything that you own. This will really help you, and here's why. Let's say that a hurricane or a tornado comes through and does substantial damage to your home and substantial damage to the contents within your home. Having those photographs detailed of everything that you own will really help you down the road. It, it, it will also help you if you have a break in your home and you have a bunch of stuff stolen. That kind of evidence, having photo evidence, really goes a long way with, with most insurance companies. So take pictures of, of all the rooms in your house, of your furniture, of your possessions, um, anything like that, that will help you in the long run. Another piece of advice I would give you is um, don't try to, to update your roof cosmetically, okay? If you think that your roof, you know, needs a good pressure washing, listen, call your insurance company before you do anything like that. Because a lot of insurance companies, if you pressure wash your roof, they will consider that actually damaging the roof. Because that does take away from the lifespan of the roof. You will be taking asphalt off that roof and you will be causing uh, abnormal damage. Uh, normal rain that comes down does not have the pressure of a pressure washer. And so you're causing, more, you're causing the equivalent damage of like possibly several years worth of rain by pressure washing your roof. So, so don't, don't do stuff like that. Don't, um, don't uh, go up there and start um, you know, caulking a bunch of stuff up there. Again, unless you've spoken to your insurance company and they give you the okay to do that. But insurance companies, if they come out, if they send an adjuster out when you've made a claim and they look at this stuff and they see you've been caulking all these things and, and they see unusual granule loss, they're going to start asking questions and they may deny a claim because of that. So for the average person, um, it, if there are, if you don't like some of the cosmetics of your roof, be very careful with trying to fix something that's not already broken. Um, trim trees that are hanging over your house, please trim back big limbs hanging over your house. That, that's for a few different reasons. One is that um, moss and other fungus will, will grow on your roof if there's a tree hanging over it. That happens all the time. Um, you'll have more critters getting on your roof, which, you know, sometimes squirrels and, and whatnot will uh, will chew parts of, uh, of your roof. I, I don't know why. I don't know if they're just filing down their teeth or what that, whatever the case may be. Um, acorns can be blown by the wind onto your roof and cause damages. And I hate to break it to you, but that acorn damage is not storm damage. Um, but just uh, a limb can fall on your roof. And you just don't want that to happen. You don't want to have to go through the process of filing a claim. Remember, you do have a deductible with your homeowner's insurance. So nothing is free here. That, you know, insurance companies make sure that, that the insured has skin in the game. You don't want to have to pay your deductible. You don't want to have, you know, things damaged that don't need to be damaged. There's a, it's a lot of headache when you're replacing a roof and other things. Trim those trees back. Make sure that there aren't limbs hanging over your house. Um, 
Now, if you do have storm damage that occurs, the first thing you want to do, just take a photo, right? Uh, in, in the worst case scenario, like a tree falls on your house and there's water coming into your house. Okay, in that case, kind of skip the photo step. But if there's not like an active uh, leak or active damage happening as a result of, uh, of the storm or whatever damage it is that we're talking about, let's say that there's a tree laying on the side of your house, uh, but it's sunny outside. You, you don't have to worry. You don't have any immediate damages happening. The damage has already happened. Before you remove the tree, take a picture of it. Take a few pictures of it. Your insurance company will want you to do that. But they'll also want you to mitigate future damages. So if you leave that tree on your house for multiple days, and one of those days, and you make no effort to get that tree off, and on one of those days it rains, your insurance company can deny the damages caused by the rain if you did not make adequate effort to try to get that tree removed. So this is why you'll see people with tarps over their roofs because that's something that needs to be done. If, if your roof has substantial wind damage and water is coming in, you need to have a roofing company come out and make sure that future damages don't happen. Your insurance company will reimburse you for that depending on your coverage. Most, most coverages do uh, stipulate that you need to mitigate and uh, any future damages and that they will cover that. Obviously, look at your policy language. Um, but after you've done all of that, um, at, at some point in that process, you also need to contact your insurance company and make sure that they know that uh, if if it's a bad claim, um, they'll send someone out, you know, they'll, they'll prioritize it and send someone out sooner. If it's just like, you know, you think that there might be hail damage, it might take a little bit longer, just kind of depends. It, it depends on the on the season as well. So, uh, so there's a lot to consider there. Um, now, if you have storm damages that, that you think you see, but it's not the type of damage that appears to be causing future damage. For instance, coming back to the, the hail example, you have hail damage to your roof, but your roof doesn't appear to be leaking yet. Um, don't try to, to, to do a whole bunch of stuff. Don't, don't spend a bunch of money tarping your, your roof and whatnot because you had some hail, but you don't have a leak. Your insurance company is not gonna like that. Go ahead and call the insurance company first in that instance, um, and, and don't overdo it, right? You, you're responsible to mitigate damages, but if you start going out and, uh, like let's say that, for instance, that your, your siding gets blown off uh, a section of your house. Having, even if there's rain, having siding blown off a section of your house, for most homes, um, that will not like permanently damage the home if, if the siding is off for a few days. If you go ahead and start you know, hiring people to put all that siding back up and whatnot, you're actually making the, the job of the insurance company more difficult, and you're making it more likely that they're going to reject your claim. They want to see the siding down. Now, you can obviously take take pictures and all of that, but nothing is quite like, in their mind, the ability for them to actually look on it. 
um, and, and see it with their own eyes. That's why they send an adjuster out to your house. So keep that in mind. It's always a good idea to talk. If you have any questions about that, each insurance company is a little bit different in this regard. Talk to them directly, call them, talk to a desk adjuster and have them tell you, okay, yes, we want you to go ahead and hire someone to, to put up the siding. Yes, we want you to tarp the roof. Yes, we want you to do this or that. They uh, will tell you exactly what you need to know and exactly what that insurance company's protocol is in the event of storm damages. Um, but overall, storm damage is not something to be scared of. This is why we have homeowners insurance. Um, this is why for a lot of people, it's a good idea to, to not have too high of a deductible. You know, if you have a, a $2,500 deductible, um, then you're going to be coming out of pocket $2,500 when, uh, when you have uh, storm damage that comes through. Um, so you want to be careful with that. I have at various times had as low as a $500 deductible. Some insurance companies won't even do that. They want you to have more skin in the game. Um, so there's a lot of different things to consider. If you guys have any further questions about that, any questions about um, what I think as a realtor uh, with my adjuster background about storm damage or about insurance policies, I will do my best to try to answer those questions. Um, but it's always a good idea to have a realtor on your side who kind of understands how the game works and how the insurance world works, what different damages are to different homes, that's something that I feel like is definitely a strength of mine with my background. And if I can help you or anyone else out uh, with buying or selling a house, I have that background. This is what I do for a living now. And I would be more than happy to help you or to help them. You've got my contact information in the show notes. And until next time, stay safe.